Father, what a joy it is to hear and to rest in your love. I thank you, Father, that you love us dearly. Dearly, Lord, because your love for us cost you your very best. Dearly, Lord, because we are precious in your sight. And you would do anything to restore us to a right relationship with you, even give your one and only son that we might not perish but have life and life to the full. Father, I ask that this morning as we reflect on your love that you would supernaturally pour out your love into our hearts that we would experience profoundly the depth of your love for us. Because you first loved us in Christ. Come and stir up your love in our hearts, Lord, as we celebrate who you are and who we are because of who you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you um, a story. It's Olympic time. I've got a favorite Olympic story. It's not completely relevant because it has to do with the Summer Olympics. Sorry. But maybe it'll add a little warmth to this morning. You know the story of Derek Redmond? 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Derek uh, was favored to medal in the 400-meter sprint. In about 150 meters... Derek starts to feel a searing pain in the back of his leg. In an interview, he says this, I got into my stride running round the first turn and I was feeling comfortable. And then I heard a popping sound. I kept on running for another two or three strides and then I felt the pain. I thought I'd been shot. And then I recognized the agony. I pulled my hamstring. It was like someone shoving a hot knife into the back of my knee and twisting it and twisting it. In that moment, 150 meters into his dream, into what he had hoped for, what he had trained for, what he had invested day after day, year after year to achieve, Everything came crashing down, including his body. And at that moment, he knows that he lost his Olympic medal. And he falls to the ground in sheer agony. But the beautiful part of this story is that it's not the end of his race. He gets up and he starts to hobble. And he's determined to finish what he started, maybe not in the way he had hoped, but he's determined to cross the finish line. He refuses to give up. Medical staff come out and 
try and get him to stop. And he waves them off. Barcelona Olympic officials come out and try and get him to get off the track. And they're waved off. And all of a sudden, the crowd realizes what's going on. And they stand up. And 65,000 people present that day begin to give him an ovation. Why? Because something in that moment happens that's absolutely beautiful. Derek's dad, Jim, says it this way. When I saw what happened to my son, I knew I had to get to him. I didn't care what the security officers or the medical staffs or any officials had to say. I had to get next to my son. I knew he needed me. And so Derek's dad fights his way from the stands, pushing through all these officials onto the track just so he can hold up his son and help his son walk and finish the race that he had begun. Derek says, all the doctors and officials were coming onto the track trying to get me to stop, but I was having none of it. And then, with about 100 meters to go, I became aware of someone else beside me. It was my dad. And he said, Derek, it's me. I'm here. I just said, Dad, I want to finish. And he said, okay. We started this thing together, and now we'll finish it together. And Derek said, he managed to get me to stop trying to run and to just walk. And my dad kept repeating to me, you're a champion. You've got nothing to prove, son. You're a champion. You're a champion. Derek goes on to say, we hobbled over the finish line with our arms around each other, just me and my dad, the man I'm closest to who supported my running ever since I was seven years old. Someone told me there was a standing ovation. All 65,000 people were cheering me on. I was in tears. And after the race, Derek's dad said, I'm the proudest father alive. I'm even more proud of my son than if he'd won a gold medal. Watch this.
Isn't that beautiful? The Father loves you dearly because you love his Son. The Father loves you dearly because through his Son, you are his sons and daughters, dearly loved, bought with a price, not by your blood, but by the blood of him who went to the cross in your place for your sin, that you might have life and life to the full. This morning on Vision Sunday, I just want to take a moment to reflect on your love for the Son and the Father's love for you as his precious sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. The Father loves you dearly because you love his Son and beautifully shine with his light and love. It's the way that you open wide your arms of acceptance and welcome people into this family. From the friendly smiles of the welcome team to everyone wearing a name tag because names are important to knowing and being known, to greeting one another at the peace which some Sunday I'm just going to let go on and just see how long it goes because there's so much love in this family. (laughs) Meeting every guest and introducing them to at least one other person. Baking delicious treats for our welcome desserts where we taste and see that the Lord is good and we hear why people came to grace and most importantly why they came back. To making meals for our belonging lunches where we discuss what it means to follow Jesus with grace and have the privilege of answering really, really good questions around our identity, our theology, and our practice of the faith. You love people with the love of the Father so well because you love Jesus. And he is in you and shining his light through you. I'm excited this year we're introducing a confirmation of faith experience. And we're inviting uh, everyone baptized um, age 12 and up to engage the gospel um, in a four or five week course to help them publicly reaffirm the faith that they um, were baptized into at an earlier age. It's another way that we're welcoming and encouraging people in this family. But it's not just a way that you shine with the light of Christ toward others. It's a way you care for one another. We make soup for each other when we're sick. Really good soup. We sit together in hospitals. We lay hands on each other and pray with the hopeful expectation that Jesus heals. We listen to one another's hopes and hurts. We text scripture verses and encouraging words to one another when we're challenged. We help each other move and plant trees and build fences and host birthday parties and baby showers and ordination dinners and going away brunches. 
Y'all, the love of Jesus shines through you so brightly because you carry each other's burdens. We laugh together and cry together because we belong to one another. The way that you love one another makes it easy to believe in God. That's your testimony. The Father loves you dearly because you love his Son, and the love of the Son shines so brightly through you. The Father loves you dearly because of the way that you respond to Jesus' invitation to discipleship, to come, to, to be near him, to be with him, to know him and be known by him, to imitate him, to take on his mind and to set your heart on the things that his heart is set upon. That he might send us out to fish for people, to take his love to others in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our schools and places of work. The light and love of Jesus as we come to him and imitate him and continue his mission is very palpable in this family. For example, if tables, they're creating relational space for women to gather and connect. Two hours, four questions, six women, right? And more than 60 of you have participated in if tables so far, and it's spurring on brunches and retreats but most of all, it's facilitating what it means to be daughters of the king. We've been uh, beta testing discipleship huddles, and they've rekindled a movement, a return to classical discipleship based upon Jesus' relationship with the three, Peter, James, and John. And it's all about imparting the faith passed down by meeting with Jesus together through the scripture. Life groups are another way. And our life groups are growing healthy by focusing on that threefold pattern of in, up, and out. And what's happening in our life groups as we're getting healthier and we're being focused on those three values is we're knowing and being known around meals by asking good questions and expressing gratitude and practicing appreciation. And we're learning to hear from God through his word and humbly process that together. And then encouraging one another to faithfully put that into practice. And we're praying for our disconnected friends and neighbors and classmates. We're inviting them to come and see what life in Christ is about in our life groups. And we're welcoming them with love and acceptance just like Jesus would. We've experimented with two spiritual formation workshops on Sunday morning from 9 to 12.30, mobilizing everyone for gift-based, team-based ministry and equipping us to pray as Jesus taught us to pray by declaring the gospel and healing people in his name. In the fall, we're looking to create a way to help our friends and neighbors and coworkers, classmates experience the story of God 
around a simple meal and gracious hospitality. Think of it as Alpha meets the school of discipleship for the sake of helping more people meet and know Jesus. You're going to hear more about that this spring. And I really hope that you'll come to the Makerspace informational meeting on September, I mean, on Sunday the 25th. We've been uh, praying and discerning what to do with that old school building over there. It's been vacant for the two and a half years we've been here. It's been pretty poor stewardship just to leave that 4,200 square feet uh, vacant. But the Lord is not only talking and leading, he's raising up a group of people who are taking responsibility to begin to steward that space for his glory. Can you imagine what it would look like to transform that old school building into a functional third space for artists to use their gifts and to teach their craft to make disciples, woodworkers, painters, potters, you name it. What would it look like to facilitate a third space where the people of God who are the most creative people on earth because we're made in the image of a creative God actually begin to be raised up and set free. I think we'd be on the verge of a new renaissance. How cool would that be? The father loves you dearly because you love his son and continually respond to his invitation to draw near to him to imitate him, and to make disciples in his name. Do you realize the extent of the Father's love for us? I mean, as, as, you, as you experience different environments around this family, as you're together, as you hear one another's stories, as you participate in the various ways that we're following Jesus together. How much do you enjoy the palpable sense of his love in our midst? His love that satisfies, his love that fulfills, his love that changes our perspective about everything. The father loves you dearly because you love his son and develop one another to serve sacrificially like him. Sacrificially and selflessly. I think it's the way that um, we provide space for Nate the intern to come and be, to, to serve and grow, to contribute and experience all that the Father has for him or our missional residents, Robert and Lauren and Theo, and how they are experiencing the love of God in this community, growing in their marriage, growing in their parenting, growing in clarity on, of God's call on their life, exercising their gifting, getting a lot of experience about kingdom ministry and leading, leading with selfless, sacrificial love. It's the way that um, we envision um, kids' ministry and student ministry 
not as something other, but as something very much a part of who we are. It's not the church's job to disciple kids. It's the parents' job to disciple kids. But it's the church's responsibility to come alongside families and create environments where they grow in their ability to disciple their kids, and we help facilitate that growth. And it's a, it's a vision not just to have our kids and our students segregated by age, but being fully uh, integrated into everything we do, whether it's leading worship or serving on a Sunday serve team. But it's also creating an environment where we say, hey, when our kids are 18 years old and by God's grace, they leave and go to college, what is their life going to be like? What classes will they register for? How will they conduct their relationships with their roommates? Our hope is that they have such a powerful experience of discipleship with us that when they go, the first thing they look for is a worshiping community where they can continue to experience what it's like to be a part of the family of God, where they can be invested in and discipled, but where they can also give away all that's been poured out into them from the time they were held in that nursery and sung over and prayed over, and the scriptures were spoken over them, to when they were in kids' worship, learning the joy of singing to God and hearing and responding to the stories, to when they were in high school, participating in a movement of the Holy Spirit around this community that isn't just about this church, but it's about multiple churches and young life and youth for Christ, both of whom we have partnerships with. That's how we're developing kingdom leaders. Not just in our generation, but for the next as well. I am so humbled and overwhelmed that this year you guys have grown so much in your discipleship as it relates to money. And we started off six and a half years ago saying the church does a terrible job talking about money because they either make way too big of a deal about it or they are so afraid of the wounds that people carry because of money that they don't talk about it and on. We made the commitment that we're going to talk about money because Jesus talks more about money than heaven or hell because it is such a powerful influence in our lives. And it's not about the numbers. It's not about the amount. It's about how the Lord is transforming our hearts. We had 18 families that began to tithe for the first time this year. It's not about the 18. It's about what that represents in terms of love for Jesus and his kingdom. We had 71 people who sent in promise cards for tithes 
over $800,000. And again, it's not about the amount. It's about the fact that we belong and we are growing up and maturing as disciples, taking responsibility for the call that God has on our lives for one another and for the sake of this city. And for those who sent in promise cards last year and sent in promise cards again this year, 46% of them increased their tithe. Why? Why? Because we are experiencing the Father's love as we love Jesus and continue his mission and ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father loves us dearly because we love his Son because we're seeking first the kingdom and its righteousness and how we're encouraging one another and developing one another to step up and to lead and to be the kingdom citizens that we are, selflessly and sacrificially for the sake of one another and for the sake of those who do not yet know. Finally, the Father loves you dearly because you love his Son and continue to give up your lives as a ransom for many, seeking to save the lost, just like Jesus. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. And we are living as sent ones, a true apostolic community. The Father loves that. He delights in your heart for that because it's his heart. It's his mission. It's his dream that he has written us into. And we are coloring in, clothed in the power of his Holy Spirit. It's, it's the way that starting in two weeks, we're going to have these Lenten lunches. And, and we're opening up the gathering hall for the city, for our friends family, neighbors, other churches are going to participate in this. And we're just going to teach people how to pray. Four very simple talks with um, two really gifted, wonderful leaders from Christ Healing Center are going to come and use this facility to help us, help them demystify what prayer is all about and just help a revival and a, a renovation of prayer in this city. It's the way that we're writing our story and practicing telling our story and inviting people to the warehouse warming party it, it, on the 25th, 21st, right? Wednesday the 21st. I mean, wow, the way, the way that, that we have, under some great leadership, have stood in the gap and said, you know, so help us, God, we are going to make a difference in the young lives in the city that are challenged with food and hunger. And a little snack pack program that started at Lamar Elementary has now grown to 21 churches partnering with 21 schools in the city. And I pray by the time I die, there is no elementary school child in this city that's hungry. I think that's going to happen. I know that's going to happen. That's what the Lord is doing in and through us. And we're ramping it up with a new mentoring opportunity at Lamar. 
we're working with making sure that um, all of the kids in foster homes in this city, which ironically, numerically matches about the same number of churches in this city, don't have to go unadopted because the church rises up and says, we will take responsibility for orphans. That's happening under some great leadership with even now a life group that's focused on it. We, I could go on with National Night Out and what we do with All Saints. We are living beyond ourselves, seeking to bring the light and love of Jesus to those who otherwise would not experience the reality of his kingdom. And maybe most significantly this year, we long to see every man, woman, and child in the Mankey Park neighborhood see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been sowing seeds of the gospel in that neighborhood for five and a half years now. And this year, we're devoting some intentional time to share and discuss our church planting model, which is simple, helping people meet Jesus that leads to making disciple, that raises up indigenous leadership, that results in a new expression of worship. We're gonna host uh, a guest coach or two who are gonna come and facilitate our clarity and health and execution of our church planting model. And we have in the budget to bring on staff a church planter for Mankey Park starting this summer. And we're in the midst of praying and recruiting and bringing that person in. And there's already a group of people that see themselves embedding the gospel in that neighborhood. And we're gonna become really actively present together through prayer walking and servant evangelism and relational connection. We're gonna start that this month. Um, and as we go and as we love and serve and gather, we're going to start a life group at the pig pen over lunch on Sunday. And uh, I want to encourage everybody in our community to go on one of these monthly prayer walks at least once and to go to the pig pen afterwards for a life group at least once. And in that life work, we're going to practice the in, up, and out, the no, grow, and go. And I really believe, and I've already had conversations, and we've got an open door with Brian, the principal at Lamar. I really believe that as we love and serve and gather and disciple and raise up leaders, that we have an opportunity to start a new expression of worship in the gym at Lamar Elementary School. That is the spiritual reproductive nature of the body of Christ, y'all. And what God is saying is that I've entrusted you with a few things and you've been faithful with them and I'm gonna entrust you with a few more things. And we're going from kids to becoming parents. We've adopted one in the gathering midtown and we're gonna birth one in Mankey Park. The father loves us dearly because we love his son and we're continuing his mission by giving up our lives as a ransom for many to seek and save the lost. So as we enter into a new year, as we embark on a new season of life and ministry, 
as a gospel community, enjoying the presence of God, making disciples, and developing kingdom leaders to live on mission. Success looks simple. It's complicated, but it's simple. It's dynamic, but it's simple. Success is simply this. It's walking with the Father as dearly loved sons and daughters of Christ Jesus. Loving him because he first loved us in Christ and loving others as he loves us. That is who we are as a people. We are a great commandment, great commission people. You are sandwiched right between those two beautiful expressions of the gospel. That's who we are, y'all. And so our charge for this year, as I was thinking, Lord, what's one scripture that, that, you, would, that you would speak prophetically over your people to, to focus us, to help us uh, to, to fill your love and to fulfill your purposes? He gave me Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It doesn't matter how fast we cross the finish line. It doesn't matter how well we cross the finish line. What matters is that you know that your Father, who dearly loves you, is walking beside you, reminding you that you are a champion, that you are a champion, that you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved you. Let's be that this year and enjoy the Lord and watch the amazing things that we get to participate with him doing through us. As we come to the table this morning, as we come to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as we hold out our hands, as we take the cup, would you join me in just saying, yes, Lord, more of you in us that we can give away more of you through us. Amen? Amen.